0: People have ups and downs all the time, but what my mom has taught me and my four sisters is that everyone falls, what defines you is how quickly and how gracefully you get up. Mm. And that's the story because I think a lot of times people see your Instagram version of life, or your LinkedIn mm. version of mm. life, mm. what you share on Twitter, mm. but that's truly just the tip of the iceberg of who you are. Mm. We are all rooted by that submerged iceberg of pain, hardship, overcoming resilience. And I think more people need to see that mm. because you. It takes many many nights to be an overnight success. Mm. And I think it's to shed light on, A, what success means to different people, but what that journey has been or the bottom of that iceberg. This episode is brought to you by C.K. Lynn Mindset Coaching for Leaders, Entrepreneurs, and High Achievers. Having a clear mind will empower you to tap into your true potential and achieve extraordinary results with more ease and freedom. Visit www.talkwithck.com and apply for a free clarity session today.
1: What would make this podcast a super home run podcast for you?
0: It would be if it could make a difference in people's lives, if it could inspire people to not give up on what their goals are, what their dreams are, what their aspirations are because we all face hardships, myself included, Mm -hmm. but it's how do you overcome them uh, without losing focus of what it is that you're trying to achieve. Mm. So if this could help someone continue down their path, that'd be brilliant. I think one of the pieces that I feel connected to, to you about is every time I read some of your content, And this is the great thing about content. You never know the kind of day someone's having. Mm. And a small piece of wisdom of any sort could make someone's day or push them in the right direction Mm. of where they're wanting to go, even when it feels hard. Mm. So I'm hoping this podcast, when people feel like they're experiencing hardship, depending on the day that they're having, this helps them get to the next place Mm. and just to continue the good fight to become the best person they want to be. Mm. That's
1: beautiful. So I want to actually bring you a namesake just a little bit. Because you had shared with me before we started recording what your name is, your first name and your last name, and go into that a little bit, please.
0: So my first name is Anas, and in Arabic it means humanity. Mm. It's actually based on a prayer called Surah Anas, mm. and it's about God's creation and humanity as a whole. And my last name is Ghazi, which means warrior poet fully. Uh, so just putting those two together I was named by my mother mm. it's a person who's trying to be a warrior of mm. thought ultimately mm.
1: what a perfect guest to have <laughs> the noble warrior Podcast. yes
0: I know I know you, you can't plan these things
1: yeah, it's perfect it's all, it's all perfect um, I, I really appreciate you being here thank you and I know that you reach out to me and say hey I, I have a story I wanted to share right And I'm so glad that we met, right? Because right away there's a resonance. Absolutely. Just your name, your presence, your way of being. So tell us a little bit about why, why your desire to help people overcome hardship. Because everyone has an origin story, right? right? And and here here's my core belief. Our biggest superpower, our highest intention, comes from our core wounds. And my desire to empower people to uh, alleviate suffering, to inspire them to really step into the purpose, mostly came from my my own journey. When I first started, I, I was following the status quo, life should go this way in a very rigid way. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the journey of Um, following the path of science and engineering to entrepreneurship to now where I'm at right now sharing wisdom it's one could say wow he's been all over the place but I would say no the the core through line of my life has been the pursuit of wisdom I just didn't have the words for that so share with us a little bit of your origin story of why this desire to share to alleviate struggle, adversity, hardship
0: so uh, there 's a couple pieces to that, right, so I think I have to just take it back to my childhood and how I was raised and so forth. so I was born raised in the u k my mother is of Indian Burmese descent, my father's of Pakistani and Turkish descent, yeah. and raised in the u k my my parents, both of them come from these phenomenal families of extreme fortitude grandfather. It's what he's called, what's called a Jagadar, a landowner, and that's generational to being one of the first mattressing giants of India, to my father and his family being in Pakistan during the time of the partition and his, his family's journey to my father leaving England, uh, Pakistan for England at the age of 18 to go to school. So we came from this, I come from this lineage of people who are entrepreneurs and believers and strivers who have done extremely well. Parents got married, moved to the U.K., and then we went from being this family of having halves, to so having a, you know, a country house in Norwich, England and all the rest of it to my father passing away when I was three, and my mother being mm. a widower at 28 with five children.: mm. youngest being three.: Five children. oldest being nine.. Yeah. Wow. So a foreign woman in a, ultimately a new land that she wasn't a native of. And so we went from having all these things to my mother sewing teddy bears for us and our mm. coats. And, you know, we had a, a renter in our house because we, we needed money to, you know, my, my siblings and I making samosas for a theme park called Chesington Zoo. So we, we've, we've seen, I, my family and I, we've seen the bifurcation of life. Mm. Haves, have nots. And one of my biggest things as a child, I've, I've always been a dreamer. Big time dreamer. I, I could get lost in my thoughts even as a, as, as a child. So I think having those aspirations of this is what I want my life to be like. And one of the core values my mother has instilled in all of us is you're not defined by who you are at the moment, because moments to moments change. Mm. You're defined by who you are at the inside and where you come from. So we're a very proud family of our lineage. And you know this idea of a bloodline, it's more so the characteristics that you imbibe as a bloodline. Mm. So my mother, like who I remember the first time we went to her home in India, it's practically palatial. To seeing that, to, what that Palatio, it's like a palace, mm-hmm. to seeing how her life was in England where, you know, we lived in a very modest home and so forth. We're like, mom, you came from this, you're living like this. And she was like, that shouldn't matter. Mm. What does matter is who you are as a person, your character and your work ethic and not to be defined by the failures that you have in life, but to come above them. Mm. So back to your question in terms of, you know, what's the story to share? It's that it's people have ups and downs all the time. And I'm gonna reference my mom a lot, I'm just gonna be honest. Uh, People have ups and downs all the time, but what my mom has taught me and my four sisters is that everyone falls, what defines you is how quickly and how gracefully you get up. Mm. And that's the story because I think a lot of times people see your Instagram version of life, your LinkedIn Mm. version of life, Mm. what you share on Twitter, Mm. but that's truly just the tip of the iceberg of who you are. Mm. We are all rooted by that submerged iceberg of pain, hardship, overcoming resilience. And I think more people need to see that mm. because you, it takes many, night to, many nights to be an overnight success. Mm. And I think it's to shed light on, A, what success means to different people, but what that journey has been or the bottom of that iceberg.
1: Mm. So beautiful. Your mom was quite a master teacher
0: for you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely still is till this day. Place of safety for all my siblings, and I wear like groan. But till this day, uh, we all speak to my mom every day we're all every connected day. every day wow. we are a very 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 I actually spoke to my mum on, on the way here we're a very close-knit family and I think yeah. fortunate but that also happens and I've read a lot of psychology books on this when a parent passes away mm. siblings families tend to become even closer so mm. we've always been like this armada uh, and mm. uh, as my mum would say we're like five fingers on one hand when you're, mm. when you're together you're strongest mm. so we've con- it's just genetically who we are
1: wow that's beautiful but not everyone's so blessed to have such a mother, right? Right. So, what a blessing. You had mentioned resilience. You had mentioned grace. So, put myself in a position of my listeners. Because it's easy, not easy, simple to say, yeah, just pick yourself back up with grace. But in that moment, when you're being punched by life, or your yeah, adversity or challenges it's quite challenging to actually embody that to operationalize that right right so tell us a little bit about how do you move from challenge to grace in that moment
0: and I literally just had this happen to me this week where it was something I'd really worked for I deserved and I was very passionate about and for the greater good step back from it and it was hard. I mean, it was you got a stress, headache, and all the rest of it. In the moment, I'm like, "What the heck is happening?" Mm-hmm. Because there are moments when you get punched in the face that you lose faith in humanity, right? And you're like, "How can this be? Have people not have morals anymore? Do people not stick by their words?" Right.
1: I'm a good person.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, but but also that the environment around you, when people do like, do you the ugly, you're like, "What the heck is going on?" Mm-hmm. Um, so. When you're in that moment, I think the piece that has worked for me is A, now just taking time and realizing that when things don't work out, it's in that moment. It's, they're just not working out for this moment. It doesn't impact the rest of my life mm. unless I let it. Mm. And so for me, it's, I mean it doesn't take away the sting, but I think now it's been able to, all right, it's a no for right now, but mm. not forever. Mm. And it's how do I... like some of The best piece of advice I've ever received is, no matter what you show up. You show up on the good days, you show up especially on the bad days. So just take that moment away, give thanks for what you do. have, And that thanks can be something as small as, I'm thankful for waking up. I'm thankful for having my family. I'm Mm. thankful for being in Los Angeles. Mm. Just give thanks for even the small things and give that gratitude. And then from there, reassess where you are and get back up. Mm. But you have to take that moment. And everyone's moments are different. For me, I've been able to minimize what my moments look like so i'm able to get up much faster Mm. but it's rationalizing how things happen in life it's giving benefit of the doubt it's truly saying all right this didn't work out for me right now what else am i going to do to continue going Mm. Mm. and so for me it's when you fail which we all do and i have had multiple failures in my life as they are happening they have stung beyond belief because Mm. i've always felt I'm a hard worker I, I feel i'm reasonably talented i've already come from a very difficult upbringing to begin with my father passing away and my family working super hard and i think it's also the expectation that in between i always feel, felt like things would get easier as i got older mm. life is tough it's, it doesn't get easier it, it doesn't it's just mm. the you know it, it's having realistic ex- expectations so For me it's just you get back up you think of what you're going to do next and you do it execution Mm. is key and giving gratitude and thanks and and for me like every day i I have this ritual and i have to thank my team at wpp Uh, last year uh, my team had given me a book for my birthday and i didn't actually realize what the book was i would just write notes in the back so i actually opened up and it was a gratitude journal Mm. so every morning uh, i've got a whole spiritual like i pray namaz which is prayer for Muslims. And I go through and I do what's called dhikr, which are these like Islamic incantations, uh, mm. uh, to sort of centre myself. But then I I have this even in my briefcase right now. You'll see, I've got a I write three things that I'm happy about. Mm then I put out the intention or, or three things I'm thankful for. Then I put out the intention for how my day is going to go. So I list out three specific things of how long my day to be. Mm. And then there's a motto that I put out there mm. of what is the theme of today going to be. Mm. And then at the ending of the day, I go through before I go to sleep and I write it down. Three things that went really well. So I can give thanks for that. And mm. then two things that could be better right. as almost a goal set. So it's taking this gratitude into my daily life. Mm. And having intention of what my day is going to be about, because what I've realized is, if I life, if you, if if I leave it on autopilot, it will become someone else's narrative. You,
1: you become a reactive.
0: You become reactive, yeah. And like for me, I've got to, I've got to own my narrative. Mm. Uh, I just recently saw a commercial with Serena Williams, where uh, it was for Bumble, actually, where she was like, "If I had asked permission, I, I wouldn't be here." Mm. Uh, not direct quote, but the, the, the it's a summation of what she said. And so for me, I'm like, I'm not asking anyone's permission. I'm just going to go do what I have to do because I'm the person that I have to live with for the rest of my life.
1: Mm.
0: So it's just getting up and having that strength. It's like a, gratitude is a muscle that you have to continually practice and strengthen. Mm. And I think for me, that is what has got me through the the stinging failures when I feel like there is injustice that mm. has happened to me or people around me. Mm. It's just all right. This is just for this moment. Let me isolate it and continue going. Mm.
1: For those of you that are listening. Uh, Not here over here to share something so profound you know after years and years of searching and experiencing and journeys ultimately what I realized by the way, there's a, a um, It's called a five-minute journal it essentially yeah. lay out the, the format yep, of what, what it, you did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so so that's the, yeah, that's, that's it. Good, <laughs> that's exactly yeah, it Yeah, So we're spiritual beings with a particular intention so if we, if we can maintain that, that's, that's three simple things. Well, actually, no, you, you mentioned a number of few things. What's your intention? What are you grateful for? That's the baseline of how you can make your day as powerful as you can be. You don't need 10,000 different uh, rituals and other things. If you can actually maintain this intention, because what makes us as human beings so special than other animals is our ability to create the intention right we have the option to choose how we want our day be right right how how we want to spend this precious time energy resource that we have towards the life that truly uh makes us come alive one thing i will do on the online a little bit is that in my own journey um I came from a scientific background, so I I, uh, tend to uh, relate to things in a very rational way. And one thing that I would do is to poo-poo the ideas of emotions. I would say, all right, I have a shitty day, but my intention is X and I'm grateful for X, let me move forward. The underlying um, theme there was to suppress my emotions, to make my emotions wrong I'm not my thoughts I'm not my emotions one of the biggest uh, breakthrough that I had recently I want to share this with you as well as the rest of the listeners is that our emotions um, is a part of our own relative truth because that's what naturally arises from us if we can actually fully feel the emotions of injustice anger resentment fully and integrate that, neutralize that, such that we can become equanimous. That's quite
0: the term, equanimous. Right.
1: Well, I I learned that term from a meditation retreat Vipassana. The whole idea of it, it, uh, so we're digressing a little bit, like digressing upon digressing. In Vipassana, we learn the mechanics of Buddha, Gautama achieve enlightenment. Just the mechanics not the religiosity of it but just the mechanics of it he said the root cause of suffering is grasping for a positive emotion that we want
0: right
1: attach attachment and also the aversion of the emotions that we don't want right so intellectually i understood that but recently i really come to appreciate this 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 um uh, process of actually integrating both the negative emotions as well as the positive emotions because what I would tend to do as a human being is to suppress the negative emotions right. feeling angry is bad, feeling guilty is bad, feeling resentful uh, resentment is bad and therefore I'm going to pretend that they don't exist and just focus on the positive the gratitude, the joy, the happiness the love and I found that to be counterproductive right if we can truly actually integrate the two, let's say I feel anger uh, towards a particular someone, a particular right. issue, and if I can actually integrate the opposite side of that and together and I can come back to equanimity, then I, now I'm neutralized, toward, and then I can actually operationalize all of my faculties towards the intention that I want versus carrying these negative right. charges with me Pretend that it's not there, and then at some point it's gonna blow up right. because someone to say something that triggers my, my intrinsic, my visceral memories of that. Right. So, um, so, but such a beautiful sharing that you did. Thank, Thank you so much. So in that case, how do you exercise the muscles? Because you you said right. gratitude is a muscle, resilience is a muscle. You just share with us how you exercise the gratitude muscle. How do you actually share, uh, how do you actually exercise the resilience muscle
0: so, in your case? You know, a lot of it is reflection, so just going back to this situation that I recently encountered. From the resilience piece, it's also saying what have I learnt, because we learn every day from different circumstances, so you're always better off from the learning. and. For me, I look back and say, what is what is the good that has come out of this circumstance? And what could be better? And it's just not personalizing it. Because I think there's a lot that happens... Where what do you, you mean
1: by that, not personalizing? Not
0: think. personalizing in terms of saying, I am valued by this moment in not. time. My value is this failure, or my value is this obstacle, or so forth. And it's looking at that my journey isn't supposed to be something other than what this is. So there's also this, this Islamic belief of, you know, like, what should be good what is good to you should come to you and what is not good to you will come away.
1: Wait, and back up, say that, so that again. What is good important. for you
0: mm-hmm. will come to you. What is not good for you will go away. Mm. And so for me, it's this thing of, uh, as, as humans, we only know so much. And as, as spiritual beings, I think there's more to that in terms of, I may, not, I may not have a full understanding that had this thing worked out for me, it probably, it may not have been the best thing for me. And I think ultimately it's having this trust in a higher power that the higher power will take care of me and make sure i'm okay and i think this is for me where being a muslim and having that islamic faith really comes in and i think that has been a big strength of a big source of strength Mm. to help me and navigate me through life Mm. so i think that's where that piece is i mean and for muslims we have to pray five times a day Mm. so it's definitely a practice piece so i think Mm. it's almost like meditating five times a day five uh, minutes Mm. each day so it's 25 minutes of meditation throughout the day which for me that helps me with the resilience and of course speaks to my family mm. uh, and i think the family component is really big uh, especially as i've gone through my professional career from transunion to american express to wpp to cantar uh it's my family are the folks who i can trust my mom my, my siblings and so forth mm. and so that has helped me so i think what has worked for me is having a core group of people who i know will be happy for me when i'm happy And will be sad for me when I'm sad, but also encourage me to get back to that place of happiness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been very important to to keep the fight up and to keep the journey moving forward.
1: Mm. Hey, listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the nuggets of wisdoms, go to bit.ly forward slash noble warrior review and leave us a five star review and tell us what you're getting out of this podcast. This will really help us attract other people like you and share these nuggets of wisdoms to others, just like you. Okay, do that right now, bit.ly forward slash Noble Warrior Review. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Confucius said, self-mastery, family, country, organization, and then world. Right. So sounds like you have a solid practice around self-mastery solid practice around the family and these are the foundations that allows you to really make the kind of impact you want to make with organizations in the world is that an accurate statement
0: I would say yeah for me it's, it's always been the family piece from being on the playground like, I remember as kids when we'd one of us would get into a fight in the playground in Park Lane primary school all of us would jump in really uh, it was all just, your sisters. oh it was it was just you mess with one of us you've got all of us and that mm. and it would be a total fray for the lunch ladies because there'd be like these five kids coming out It's one kid we did not care if, we were, if one of us was friends with the person if that person picks a fight with one of us it is the five of us that you have to deal with uh, from nine to three we were all in it together so I think I've been very blessed that I've got that family support mm. uh, I think the self-mastery that to me is an evolution mm. I think I understand myself better now but I think we're always understanding ourselves because we always evolve as people
1: so actually, I want to interject real quick about the um, self-mastery piece, because one of the things we hear a lot from, let's say, Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. following your bliss, or know thyself, right. or tell your own truth, right. be be authentic. You right. hear cliches like this all the time, but I would say, it's easy to say. It is. Tell your truth. Like, tell us a little bit the process of how you have discovered, reveal your own truth to yourself before then you can, you know, live and share with others what your truth is?
0: Oh, goodness, that is a deep question. For me, it is, you know, it comes down to purpose. And I think from a, since I was a young child, I've seen my mom work really hard and struggle, and I've seen my siblings do the same. And I've seen my sisters give up stuff so that I could have it as mm-hmm. the only boy Um, they would always say like and so i've I've come up seeing that so my purpose has always been a to make sure my mom and my sisters and my loved ones my nephews are protected are preserved Mm -hmm. and that i could do everything in my power to make sure they're okay so that is just my mission in life and everything else when i think about things that happen outside of that everything else then it puts it into perspective professional pursuits uh material pursuits whatever it might be if they work out it's great does it help this goal of what I, my purpose is mm. to make sure my family's okay or if it doesn't okay if it doesn't work out I'm, a, I'm right with that because then I feel like now I've realized it doesn't impact my purpose mm. um, so I think it but it, it's come to me over years I would say in the last 12 months in particular I've mm. become more self-aware I've become more grounded Uh, just recently I've had a lot of my friends reach out to me, they're they're reading some of the stuff I've done and all the rest of it, they're like, oh you're doing really well, I I was like, thank you but there's always more to go Mm -hmm. and you know, there's also a game of optics, right, Mm -hmm. and no one really shares their inner struggle, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what you only see, like I said, is the tip of the iceberg,
1: the the glossy version
0: the the glossy, the Instagram, the LinkedIn version and so forth, Mm -hmm. everyone has a story to be told and everyone's going through something, and I think a lot of it now is for me putting myself in, other, in someone else's shoes, because if I know I've got stuff going on, I'm fairly certain everyone else I'm dealing with has something going on as well, mm. and they have their motivations. And if there are things to overcome, I will work on overcoming them through a different venue, but you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Would you say that, that internal
1: awareness makes you, as well as someone else, a better leader?
0: It does. Uh, I I think uh, internal awareness is key to leadership in particular, especially when it comes to like cultural dynamics. And uh, so while I was a a CEO of WPP's Data Alliance, I had an entire global team, folks from Japan, India, Indonesia, uh, South Africa, UK, you name it. All sorts of different people with different family structures, uh, different narratives. And so I think understanding myself and having the benefits now of being from a global culture, okay. a, a, gl- a global family, uh, just knowing that and how that works and understanding different people's motivations, that was super helpful in growing WPP's data alliance into the company that it became. Mm. Uh, because I was able to relate to people, I was able to connect with people, all the way from you know being from China and being the only child and the pressure that you receive in that to what your parents expect of you and understanding that to you know having a colleague's father pass away to knowing that you shouldn't be scheduling a meeting during Mahoram in um, Indonesia because no one's going to show up. So a lot of it is understanding yourself and then translating that into business growth. Mm-hmm. I'll
1: share my personal journey there. As a, as a trained rationalist, I didn't understand the internal process That's because I myself... I didn't understand my own emotions right. as it occurred because I just suppress them or avoid them. or pretend that they're not right. there I just basically emotions equals fat. right and as a result of that I just look at problems as problems, especially around organization, right? I didn't have the empathy or the compassion, right or how people react to certain things because mm-hmm. to me it wasn't rational Right and and I also I was wondering like why was my uh, leadership so limiting, right? why do people not want to come to talk to me? <laughs> right. yeah. why, why don't people want to work with me? Even though, you know, rationally, I'm you know yeah. uh, very skilled at solving problems in a very rational way. Mm. Not until I met the Dalai Lama. Right. He really gave me a glimpse of what compassion feels right. like. Like, wow, this mm. is what having compassion means. It so got me curious and, and about the if I want to be a better leader if I want to impact people more deeply not just the rational side Mm. but also deeply like on the whole human side then I must develop my own passion towards other human beings and that's really started the the journey for me to internal self-exploration to doing plant medicine work to really truly realize like oh wow there's such power in 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 the internal space and and really come to peace with that.
0: I I think it's important to also have it modeled, right? I think for me, that's how I learned it the best way. It was modeled for me as I was going through different pieces. And I mean, I started off my professional career in financial services. Mm -hmm. And then after eight years in financial services, I transitioned over into the world of advertising. And I was very fortunate, especially in the world of advertising for my first boss, uh, literally, soon as I had started, within six months of being at WPP, uh, my oldest got really sick, and my my first boss was like, "Take all the time off that you need. Don't even question it. Come and go as you want." So I was very fortunate to see it modeled, mm. and then from there, it was almost like by seeing it modeled, it was almost like saying it's allowed, mm. because up until that point in time, uh, you know, like I also come from like a very like an Asian culture where it's very tech dr- uh, very logical driven mm. and almost everyone I know that the thing to be was a doctor and engineer and mm-hmm. um, like the four-letter word no one in my family ever says is love mm. so you, know, you d- so I come from that type of background as well mm. uh, and even though we're empathetic in the workplace I was always just taught in university they don't give you a class on EQ yeah. they just give you you know you know management finance all the rest of it So it wasn't until I saw it being modeled and being a recipient of it, Mm. and what it did for me in terms of it made me more loyal, like I literally was doing partnerships out of hospital waiting rooms, not because I felt the pressure to do it, but because I wanted to, and I felt the loyalty Mm. to my boss and to the firm as a result of it. Mm. So what I've realized is the more empathetic you are, and really understand what people are going through, people will, ret- they will return that to you in dividends mm. because loyalty is such a key thing. Mm. When you're good to people, I have to believe, and I've seen it, that people will return it to you by being good to you, by working harder, by wanting to do what's best for the firm and so forth. Mm.
1: I also want to emphasize that the way we're talking about it, it's not so much where a gamification, trying to no. like manipulate someone to do something. Because no. to me, actually, not yes, the outcome is greater and that's the juice. We are in a human human oriented right. organization and the interconnectivity, the how you share, how you provide space for people that you serve with, <laughs> that's the juice. Right. Because otherwise I would easily just be, you know, programming something, making right. some tools and that's that. It's yeah. not
0: interesting to me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be So the minute you have the intention that it's going to give you an outcome of a person being more loyal, it needs to be more authentic than that. It's that basic principle of treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm. Um, And and that's it, you know, just try be a good person, be a good human being. And even so for my my career at uh, the firm has been around developing collaborations and partnerships And I've prided myself on being a fair business partner, just from a human perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could even ask the the lawyers on our team where I'm like, hey, if we're asking this of a partner, we need to give it back to them as well. It has to be fair. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are times, you know, I'll be honest, I've been burnt where that fairness isn't reciprocated from a Mm -hmm. partner. Mm You know, but you can't win all of them, and I'm okay with that. But I need to know that I can go to sleep at night knowing that I've been a fair practitioner. Right. Because I'd much rather be known as a fair practitioner of partnerships and collaborations than being known as someone who is unfair.
1: Yeah, totally. And ultimately, I I love the way you articulate it because you did it for you. Yeah. Right. So you can go to sleep at night. There is a cost. Right of trying to maximize profit or trying to you know, get the most out of someone, guess what? To me, life is a long game Right. and you have a reputation. Right. If your reputation is, yeah, working with CK is an example, right. you know, I, I feel shitty afterwards. Yeah. Shit. No one wants to work with you. <laughs> right. Maybe this time you get some, you know, some short term gains, but long term wise, no one wants to be around you. Right. So. Thank you so much for sharing so generously. So talk a little bit about how do you actually bring that, because you're speaking from an individual person's point of view. You, you have given, you have received. How do you actually instill that in organizations? Because I would say that that's pretty tricky.
0: So it's interesting. As I came to Kantar transitioning out of WPP, uh, within a few weeks, we had a product launch with, that I had to lead. And this product, we, the team had been working on it for months. It was such a large opportunity, and it was so big that no one knew how to tackle it. Mm-hmm. And so it came in, and literally, we had six weeks to launch this product, and the product's name is Balanced Attribution. Um, and we had to launch it at Cannes. And there were so many stakeholders involved. with had partner. We had over 40 people internally. And a lot of it was just listening to what everyone had to say. Mm. Uh, and in listening to what they had to say, and then also understanding what is their communication style. So like, there's one member on the team, super smart guy. And, but, and his emails, they were on a different level because they were voluminous, a proper academic. And, and they were so long. I was just like, no one's going to be able to read all these emails so I realized very quickly that the way you scale something like that is you call them mm-hmm. so then I realized that the communication modality was you, this is a person who needs to be spoken to on the phone to get the message and distill it mm. here's a person who needs to, who's cool speaking in public environments it's understanding your team and just it's that emotional that EQ ultimately of knowing how and when people want to be spoken to Mm. So I think it's just understanding and feeling out where your team is and understanding how they want to engage and what's the most effective way to draw an outcome for business. Mm. But a lot of it initially is just listening so that you can figure it out. I think a lot of folks, they jump head first and they like, you do this, you do that. We are, that economy of dictatorship is over. Mm. We are in a collaboration economy. Mm. And the only way a collaboration can happen is if people felt like they are heard and that you are taking them seriously and you are really making them feel valued and that their contribution plays a role in the final outcome you're trying to bring forward.
1: Mm-hmm. How do you teach that to your middle managers or someone who's not you, uh, who, who, who has uh, a daily prayer, a faith, a strong family background? In Because, let I me mean, actually share, share this with you. <clears throat> at... at companies that I that I previously were at, we tend to want to find people who are like us. Similar core values and similar practices, the depth of wisdom, uh, deeper awareness, EQ, all of that, right? No. So if you look for someone who's exactly like you, you're not gonna find it, because there's only one in us, there's only one in CK. So then well, how do you scale that level of depth and awareness?
0: So this is where, here's a funny truth, right, so this is where being a minority has been helpful because there's, when I started my career, A, growing up I never really saw anyone who looked like me in the professional force and I never had a manager who was of my background either or anything to that nature so I'm used to dealing with people who aren't like me. right? So that almost has now become a, it's an asset because what I look for is a skill set and I also look for chemistry. Yeah. Do we as people get along? And I'm all right with people from varied backgrounds and differences because like I said, I've, I've always been different. And now we're lucky we are in a place and time where being different is considered good. But it's just bringing people who are right for the job but people that you have chemistry with, who you understand, they understand you. And I think that's really important to like and trust the people that you work with regardless of what backgrounds you've come from. Like I said, like I've led global teams where even though there are commonalities, there's also differences. And I think we as people, we're like Venn diagrams. There's pieces of us that are alike and there's pieces of us that are different. Mm. It's just how do you bring that right permutation together Mm. to get the best business outcome? Because I don't want people who are all the same. And I think that's why, especially in advertising, that's where we run into big issues with campaigns and so forth where we have all the same people Running a campaign for a client, and we lose a cultural nuance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You need different people to be able to give you different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So it's just modeling the behavior of the basics you know, just list people, speak with respect, try and drive, a, or not try, but drive timely outcomes, continually quantify the financial impact to the business. Mm-hmm. I think modeling those behaviors is just key, and I think anyone can pick that up regardless of who you are.
1: I'm gonna have a loving challenge for you. <clears throat> so, what you just described—the ability to drive outcome, data-driven—these are, to me, outer game skills. There's the outer mm. game skills, right. but also a huge part of what we've been discussing so far is the inner game skills. Right. Okay. The um, the let's yeah. use EQ as a as a big one. Right. That internal so, awareness so of you your own emotions, you your ability it to. Out one one second. Second. So, so, like so. it's pulling wind yeah. right out your ability to articulate how you feel about certain things also feel others right so how so concretize that for us with the outer game is unquote easier right to quantify you look at your resumes you do some testing right. Sure. short with the internal ones much more challenging so how do you i want to if you could share a little bit of your framework or sure. maybe interview questions want to give people something that they can actually Filter voice.
0: So, I think the first part of it for me has been putting aside ego. Mm -hmm. It's you have to be ready to do no task, can be too big or too small from scheduling meetings on a napkin to get everyone's availability to talking to the president of the United States. You have to be willing to do all of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's been my thing. I've just not been afraid, and I've been very fortunate that I've been empowered to do those things. But this is, and so you take titles and all that side, all those pieces aside. You just do whatever it takes. If it comes to you, you do what it takes to, to make it happen.
1: So that's one of the inner. Yeah, skills. yeah. So it's, it's
0: one of those things. It's not having the ego of I'm here, so I'm not going to schedule that meeting. Or I'm you, no, you just do what it takes and get it done faster. Uh, so it's that piece of it. And then the other piece for me, my inner game has always been, I. I'm a tactician, I like to get things done. That's why I have a checklist every day. It's
1: very satisfying. Yeah, Check it off, check it off, check it off.
0: That is what has really, from an inner perspective, I like to show at the end of the day, I've done stuff. I've made use of my day. It has been productive towards meeting this goal. Mm -hmm. So that's the inner piece of, I want to show that I can materially touch, feel, absorb what it is that i'm working on from it being a partnership with facebook or spotify to you know helping get uh, getting kantar's positioning in the world of inclusion and diversity and you know partnering with Adweek. i like to see things in real uh like because that that's just my inner game of okay i need to be able to point to it um so i think those were the pieces that internally i have been drivers and then the rest of it has been the wrapper around it because for me, like I was just talking to our our GC in London a few weeks back.
1: What's GC? uh,
0: General Counsel. Thank you. uh, In London, and was trying to push to get this partnership together, and she was like, you've got the sense of urgency. What's the sense of urgency? I was like, look, I gave my word. And that's the other piece. I was like, I gave my word. I'd get it done by this day. We have to get it done by this day. That's it. It's like I was like, my word means a lot to me. And for me, when someone breaks their word, that's really hard on me in particular. And because I view the world the way I view myself, mm. so I think it's it's having those things of just that integrity that I want to get stuff done. Uh, if I'm not having any issues cashing my paycheck, I shouldn't have any issues getting the job done either. Mm. And and it's just that, and then then the rest of it is you know really being able to motivate teams, to hear them out, to, to speak to them in the way that they want to be spoken, and ultimately drive that business outcome.
1: Right. So how do you find others who have those core skills the inner skills that you just talked about?
0: You know, I don't think it's about finding people who have it. It's drawing it out of people. Oh, I see. You know, because everyone's, like, the same way everyone's a good person, everyone's a bad person. You know, everyone's got different, we're so multifaceted as as, as humans, Mm. it's drawing out those skills. Because, uh, for example, in terms of getting balanced attribution put together, we worked with this enormous team to get it all the way from our communications and PRS team to to launching at CAND, all the rest of it. But it was showing that everyone from our project manager on to the product development teams to our client-facing teams, everyone was providing value. Because without them, because literally when the product launched, the email chains internally, it was like we had won the Oscars. Mm. And everyone was like, no, you did And it was great because it was bringing everyone together after months of this you know, product, we're trying to move it forward. But it was drawing out the best of everyone for that product, for that mm. launch, and how we did it. So, I think as it, building this community around each initiative, uh, I, I'm a huge believer of Agile teams. I think that's where I flourish the best and at Kantar I have the pleasure of working with a whole bunch of Agile teams. It's you bring in the right people to do the right things and then you move forward. So it's just it's showing everyone's value and making them feel special and I think giving people gratitude goes such a long way, I mean thanking them. letting their their managers and you know the executive team know that these are the people who have contributed it goes a super long way
1: so let's get tactical even more there um, there's many currencies out there right there's obviously so I'm Chinese uh, when you go to a Chinese company a way to show gratitude is raising your pay
0: yeah. right?
1: but we also have seen that through research that monetary incentive it'll only get you so far. Ultimately, to me, it's the extrinsic motivation, like money, like recognition, as well as the intrinsic motivation, like being acknowledged, like, hey, what's your purpose? How can you leverage this company to leapfrog your purpose even more? So, I forget where I was going with this. Give me a moment. Um, Oh. How do you operationalize the, the acknowledgement? Is there a oh, systematic there. way of doing it? Or is it more of an intuitive thing?
0: It is from when you speak about a launch, you thank the people who made it happen on LinkedIn mm. to... an Public in, recognition? Yeah, public recognition yeah, yeah. Uh, to internally, like you know, sending out, send out a formal email that, you know, breaking out the the team members and this was their contribution and sharing it with the executive team to mm. anyone you speak to be like, hey we did this cool thing and so and so was amazing mm. so i mean just recently we we launched this thought leadership uh, that's ultimately going to be rolled out into the industry and there was a gentleman on the team i had taken title aside i had no idea he was an associate at the firm because he is so good so good and i'm like this dude i was just like he's brilliant and there was this uh, there's there another colleague of mine and she was phenomenal as well they just took the bull by the horns and every time I just check in, I was that like, what can we do to help you mm. and just thanking them we got them invited to the conference and all the rest of it where the work was going to be released it was just they were so good but just appreciating them mm. and I think it's both right it's appreciating them uh, from like a, a holistic perspective but if someone's done a good job we owe it to them to also compensate them because we're not working to you know, find the meaning of life. Mm. We're working to pay our bills, right? So mm. if someone has gone above and beyond, even if it's like a stip increase or whatever it might, might be, do it mm. because it would that, it's gonna help you keep a person happier rather than them leaving and you having to replace them.
1: Right.
0: It's, you know, that, 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 that's a much larger cost right. uh, versus just in the moment, recognize people for what they're doing both through Formal recognition, but also if you can, uh, like, de- definitely through compensation as well. Mm. It has yeah. to be both. It has to be both.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's challenging. I-, I would say it's challenging because our intention is to acknowledge everyone, and at the same time, we also have finite resources. Now, within that finite resource, then how do you actually? Do it, allocate it in a way that's right. most meaningful.
0: Right. I mean, you can't, obviously, you can't compensate everyone for every great deed that they do. It has to be significant and a milestone, especially when someone has gone above and beyond. But in terms of recognition and gratitude, I think, you know, words are free. Mm. You know, like uh, words are free and yet they're priceless. Mm. It's, you know, th- those go a long way. And I think it's also giving them more opportunities. Mm. Once again, it's been modeled for me where as long as you can handle it, keep going. You know, as long as you're showing me results, keep going. Like, you don't need me to stop you. Like, just just keep doing that. What I've realized is sometimes people feel insecure when someone else is doing well. Mm -hmm. Instead of celebrating that, Mm -hmm. others feel insecure. Right. That it somehow detracts from their ability or that this person may leapfrog them and all the rest of that. Right. But, you know, everyone's path is different. Yeah. If you stepping aside or that person doing well, success is infinite yes you know and it means different things to different people so them moving up doesn't preclude you moving up it's not like we've got this finite pie where the slivers just change it's an infinite pie right so let you know more power to the person who's doing well you focus on your thing and do well as well
1: Yeah. so what I also hear is you customize to what the person needs Yeah. let's say if this person is particularly incentivized by monetary incentive then you will Customize it a little bit different.
0: Actually, I, w- I wouldn't say I-, I customize. I think to to me it-, it feels quite. I hate to use the blank term universal, but everyone likes universal. To... I'd I say I hate to use the term universal because uh-huh. it seems too blanket. But sure. most people like to feel appreciated. Right. So to me, that's just a given. And I think if someone has gone above and beyond, mm. then compensate them for going above and beyond because that is the right thing to do.
1: Mm. Actually, it reminds me of this the book called "The Five Language of Love."
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: So, and then why? Why I focus on like, hey, people may prefer different yeah. modalities of acknowledgement. Right. Some people right. may be monetary. Some people may right. be symbolic gifts. Some, uh, some some something may be more time. Right. Something may be more words of encouragement, etc. Right. right? So, thank you. No worries. How did you end up in advertising? Because if if I didn't, if I didn't know you i didn't i didn't know what you do what you do i would say oh this guy is probably a coach or a teacher okay. you know a master teacher of sorts because you talked about spirituality right. very freely you talked about your relationship with your family you talked about mm-hmm. self-mastery i would have never guessed advertising okay. so, so gonna, tell us I, a little I, bit about how I, you choose your profession
0: so I, i've had a very colorful profession in that i mean uh when i was uh like, in, in my early teens, I was scouted and beca- became a print model and then I be- began, became an actor and a voiceover dude and I did that for now about 15 Yeah, Yeah! Wow. Like, so I've had a very creative life so far. And then from there, during uh, grad school, the first time around, I taught English to high-risk freshmen which was one of the most rewarded. uh, I taught English Uh to high risk freshmen. Uh So it was students who came to Northern Illinois University where I did my undergrad Mm -hmm. on what's called the chance program. So they were given a chance to give to university, even Mm -hmm. though the ACT or SAT Mm -hmm. scores weren't high enough. Mm -hmm. So then they had these uh, development courses where I was a tutor and then I began teaching uh, for the LTRE program, literacy and education. And it was a super amazing experience where like I'd have to teach Shakespeare and poetic devices, which mm. almost felt so, like it, it just didn't jive with the student populace. So I changed it. I was like, if we're doing poetic devices, analyze a song. Mm. And it was just bringing, making things more relevant to them. So right. I, I taught and then after, the, after grad school and I got a graduate degree in information systems mm. while I was also acting and doing all the rest of it. And then I took a year off and I was acting full time Went out to LA for pilot season, all the rest of it, mm. and then uh, my I needed insurance, and then <laughs> health insurance, uh, one of the great pieces of America, and so then I was I need a job, mm. so I ended up at TransUnion, which is the credit bureau, mm. and one of the first questions I asked the uh, the recruiter I was like, is there any program? Which is oh, not at all. It's more of like a business analyst role, and first day on the job, it's straight up mainframe coding. <laughs> it's it's COBOL, it's uh, JCL, Job Controller Language, SAS, Sing SORT, oh, like man. mining data records and creating models uh, for, for like, you know, out of the US credit database of like 330 million people. And also, I, like even though I had coded, that wasn't natural to who I was. Yeah. So here I was coding up models, working late nights, working weekends to get my game back on, on how to code. I taught myself coding. Right. So was at TransUnion for six years, and I initially started off as a coder in marketing services where we'd code financial models for banks and credit card companies such as Bank of America, American Express, Chase, and so forth. And then I moved more into a client-facing role where I was leading a team of technologists and data engineers to create custom solutions and uh, omnichannel campaigns mm. for a variety of all of our clients. And I mean, those custom solutions range from Creating pieces for capital markets, and you know, looking at loan appraisals and what types of portfolios an investment companies should be buying based on the actual loan value. To uh, how do you reach different consumers digitally for a specific credit card offers and so forth. So I was at TransUnion for about six years, and then I got picked up to go to American Express, where I was part of the data analytics and capabilities team. And for a hot minute, I was doing the same type of work I was doing my return on investment on credit card portfolios, you know, what types of decisions should American Express make. And then within a few weeks of that, um, I was asked to lead digital transformation for the risk information management division of who should American Express partner with and why so that they could ultimately increase their card member portfolio to get more of a younger demographic and a more diverse demographic as well. So did that at American Express, you know, working on a variety of different partnerships And then I'd been in financial services at that point in time, about eight years. And in FS, the way it works is between that six to eight year mark, either you stay in it or you leave. And if once that window elapses, then you're just, it feels like you're a lifer. And I was just like, you know, this is good. I I mean, American Express, it was like, it is the golden standard in the financial services world. And that's what got me to New York as well. And I, I remember being like loving the firm, but feeling like I could do more. And I watched an episode of Mad Men, Mm -hmm. uh, go figure And it was specifically the episode when John Hamm, or um, he was, uh, he pitched the idea of the Kodak Carousel. Mm. And I watched him do the pitch and the story told, and I was like, I could do that.
1: Mm.
0: I could completely do that. And as Khalil Gibran would say, um, what you seek is seeking you. Mm. Or maybe that's, actually no, that's Rumi, my bad. Mm. I think Rumi said that. Put it out that I'm going to get into advertising and put it out there as in into the universe intention? yeah okay. my, right. my intention out into the universe I was like uh I want to get into advertising and spoke to of course my sisters and my one sister connected me with a friend of hers who was a headhunter uh, who connected me with someone else and then spoke with this gentleman uh, in December 2012 and I was like hey I want to get into advertising Is I don't have anything yet but I'll let you know That was a half hour conversation in December. And then he calls me back six months later. He said, hey, I'm at this firm called WPP. Uh, They're looking for a director of partnerships for this newly established firm that they call Data Alliance. Would you be interested? And then I was like, sure. I came into the interview and I met with my boss. And for the first time in my life, I picked my boss rather than the role, which has paid dividends. And now going forward, that's my rule. I need to pick my boss and the chemistry mm. that, I'm, uh, that I have with the boss and I was it's a luxury to be able to do that and I understand that mm. but I was fortunate to have that opportunity so I picked my boss and then that's how I got to advertising uh, two weeks later I was at WPP mm. beautiful
1: so in the spiritual community there is this concept called transmission right or resonance right and the whole idea of it is it's not so much the content that your teacher is teaching you right. per se rather is how good you feel right. when you're in the direct physical presence mm-hmm. of your teacher it sounds like it right. that's how you feel oh, when you're around your boss
0: yeah like absolutely that. absolutely and i think you know from that i mean and and having that autonomy and that and having someone believe in you i mean i started off as a director uh, just in our new york office and then was given the opportunity to go to Cannes and do top to tops with sir martin sorrell as we met you know, all these people across the industry who were like industry leaders to growing the firm into, you know, several different continents and move my way up along the way as well. Once again, I got, I was lucky to have the appreciation and then also the compensation as it all started to happen. So when, you know, worked with partners such as Facebook and Spotify, like platforms and partners I was personally passionate about. And I also had this added benefit of Moving up along the way, and so went from director, global director, managing director to CEO. Uh, but it felt like fun the entire time. And then from there, I, I came to this realization that you know I was like, this is cool. I data is great. This is what my career has always been about. But I'm more than just data, and I wanted to really like. I love working with clients. I love telling the story. I've got a creative penchant, and that's when I was able to come into to Cantar to, to lead growth. Uh, from both a partnerships perspective or as we call them alliances to how do we position ourselves in the market? Who do we connect with? What are meaningful initiatives that Countor should be part of? And I'm getting to do that now and it's great working with our client teams, establishing what our overall strategy looks like from a client's uh, strategy perspective. What are the business challenges? What are the offers we have? What are the partnerships that should power those offers? So it's been the full end to end and it's just like, it's always been fun. For me, my rule is if it's not fun, I can't do it like uh, if I don't feel compelled by it I just I'm not one of those who could just go in and do the job. Your heads down. And yeah like I, I, I can't I have to feel it I'm all about the feeling mm. uh, and so if, if I can't feel it then it's not for me and I've been fortunate that I feel it and every day it's a, it's a new opportunity it's a new challenge it's think of what hasn't been thought about today and how do we take the business in that direction mm. and we've got like a you know a couple hundred million dollar business that we're looking at from a partnership perspective uh, that is supporting overall a four billion dollar business, which is Cantor. Mm.
1: So, if I'm let me recap a little bit right. of your trajectory. So you you follow different opportunities. You get into things that you think is going to be fun and exciting. Yeah. And then you found mentors slash bosses who you have resonance with. Yeah. Is I've, there anything else that that's missing in, in terms of looking at your
0: trajectory so I would say the way like you can also create resonance and that's actually one of the big pieces I learned
1: no, tell, tell us more
0: yeah you know so like I got to WPP uh, which advertising company 200,000 employees 112 countries you know massive and I it's a relationships business I didn't know anyone mm. and so I didn't have resonance with anyone outside of my boss and my boss at the time he, 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 expe- he did expend a lot of his political equity introducing me to people but the way I was able to create resonance with those folks was I was timely in my responses. I came back to them with value add and I thought it was all very thoughtful. I moved on things quickly and I was able to show results. So that is what helped create resonance with them as well. Ultimately, these folks became board members at WPB's Data Alliance and that's where, and from being board members, they've now become my friends. They're still people I connect with. Some of them have gone on to different firms and so forth, but I create that resonance by being quick being meaningful and providing value to them. To the point that, I remember calling one of my, the board members at the time, he was on a plane in Mumbai taking my phone call, holding up a plane ultimately because he was willing to have the conversation. But you create resonance by providing value. Yeah, I mean, you know, the playbook of this, it's, it's provide value. So there are, and I think we've all come across this where there are times you're in a meeting and someone is speaking just to speak. There isn't anything new to add. And you're like, great, you know, like, uh, like speak when there's something that you're going to add that's valuable. Speak when you can, you know, contribute. And you, and th- that's all it is. It's just how can I provide value? How can I help? Um, you know, even like today, for example, my first calls with our partnerships team of, you know, we've got all these partnerships coming in. How are they going to feed into our different products and services that we have? And it was just literally creating a spreadsheet and just making it very specific. This data partnership is gonna help this product and this product. It's very tactical and I also this is what we're gonna share as the unified view. Uh, and it was a half hour call, it was really productive and I think that's where you have to be. It's about providing value 24 seven.
1: So actually, let's, let's concretize that a little bit because a lot of people say that. I wanna provide value yeah. everywhere I go and they don't really provide value. Yeah. It, 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 the, the intention is there, which I appreciate, right. and at the same time, they have no idea what is it to add right. value to me. So, how do you actually concretely add value to your partners, to everyone that you interact, to people on the streets? Right. How do you actually do that? Concretize that for us. Right. Like so
0: it. it's ultimately quantifying. I'm going to grow the business by X millions of dollars. I want to have this number of partnerships. I want to amplify the brand by these metrics. I want, uh, like, it's it's have concrete goals that meet that align with the business goals. And now, how am I going to contribute to them? Okay. So if it's if it's you know business growth, all right. So what's your plan of how you're going to attain business growth? And give me a timeline of how you think you're going to track against that. I see. Be very tactical in how you're going to do it.
1: Okay. So so back up one second so I would say in terms of business value revenue slash profit right uh, is pretty obvious right but in terms of the individual in terms of people outside of business right let's say you don't work with them anymore they're right. no longer part of your ecosystem regarding the Kent right. car or whatever business and how do you add value there what's your mental model around adding value beyond the hey, I have a deal for you, I can add X dollar of revenue, or I can save you some money, like this beyond the obvious, how do you actually add value?
0: So a lot of the calls or emails I get is, uh, I would say one of my largest roles or my personality type is I'm a connector. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of calls I get from people who are no longer in, in the direct line of business is, oh, can you connect with me with so-and-so? Right. So for me, that's the value I can provide. I can connect you with so-and-so, and this is what the ask is. So I'm very specific. I don't like wasting people's time just doing random, random intros. So it's asking what people, when people reach out to you, it's what is it that they need and figuring out, can I help them or can I, help, can I not help them? Mm. So I was just talking to my mentee, uh, uh, for example, and I was asking, I was like, you know, where do you see, because she was like, in, she, she was having a tough time figuring out what she wanted to do after grad school. And I was all right, I where do you see yourself in five years? Mm. She, she gave her an example. I said, well, that's actually a starting point because you know where you see yourself in five years. A lot of it at that point in time for her was she didn't feel like she was good enough to be, she wasn't good enough today where she should be in five years when truthfully she was. Mm. So, I mean, I think the value is different for different people. From a mentee perspective, it was helping give that guidance. From a colleague perspective, it's connecting for new business opportunities. It's just understanding what people want and if you can or cannot help them by providing that value.
1: Okay, good. Let's talk about peer group. You know, I talked about how important it is for you to have your family structure. That's your, that's your, the bedrock of who you are, right? So what about your peer groups? Who gets, not maybe specific who, but what kind of people gets to be in the inner circle?
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, what kind of people? Uh, uh, the unfortunate folks would be. Uh, definitely, of course, my family. Like They're number one. But I am uh, my... I'm very, very, very close to my friends from undergrad. Mm. I love them to bits. Like, uh, Why is that? You know, we grew up together as kids. I went to school out in North, Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois, which is about 90 miles west of the city. We're the home of corn, barbed wire, and Cindy Crawford. That's mm. where she was born and raised. Oh, no kidding. And then the next city over is the Quad Cities in Iowa. So we're, we're in the middle of mm. the uh, golden uh, grains where you husk corn and all the rest of it and so like my friends from undergrad there's like a group of us that Mm. we we've been friends god decades now decades and we grew up from being kids we've been together through life death marriage broken hearts job loss you name it we have really come together and literally just last weekend we had our annual or we had our quarterly meetup we do a friendsgiving every year together so these are people who i mean they're still in chicago and a lot of times my life feels so foreign to a lot of folks but what I love when I get to meet up with my, my crew from NIU is that I get to just be myself and it's this safe space where we just speak about everything. Mm. And we are still 18 and 19 and just that energy and the love and the support and above all the confidentiality mm. of it. Like I know I can trust these folks. So I'd say that's definitely a group of folks who are just uh, right here for me. Uh, of course, uh, my best friend in the UK and I've got very close friends in the UK as well who I grew up with. Um, I, what I've realized is the people I tend to be closest with are the people who knew me before I ultimately came to New York <laughs> it feels like um, because I, I think it's because they, they knew my true essence and I think in New York I've made some good friends as well but it's fewer and far between I think as you get older that, ge- that generally happens mm. but I would say it's yeah my crew from undergrad my What my is family. your true essence? Uh, you know uh, my articulating my my true essence. I think it. I'm still a dreamer at heart. I, like I still want, like I want to write a book. And so every time I meet with my crew, they're always like, "How's the book coming? Uh, it's you know being around my family. I I like just I like being very laid back and chilling out. And mm. I love riding horses. And you're a horse rider. I am. I've been wow. riding for years. I had okay. my own horse for about I six have years. Guessed. Most people wouldn't. That's amazing. I, uh, and most people wouldn't even. It's funny, I had a yellow Wrangler at one point time, which was a stick shift. And most people are like, you do not seem like a guy who knows how to drive a stick shift. I was like, I'm all about stick. So yeah, rode horses, I rode Western, I t- taught people trail riding, Wow. Um, did all of it. But yeah, so I think my essence is ultimately to experience all of it. Uh, but I'm very guarded around the people who I keep closest to me. Mm. And, 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 I, and I think that's it.
1: Mm. Thanks for sharing. No, worries. I appreciate that. I also have a loving challenge for you. What if you share more of
0: that? Of my essence? Or? Your
1: true essence. So that you don't, you can fully be yourself wherever so, you go. So,
0: you know, it's interesting, right? So I came into advertising because I'm a firm believer that you ha- you need to do what you and who you are as a person. So when I was in financial services, I did feel a big dichotomy. Mm. I was like, I'm this creative dude naturally, but I'm in this very technical field. Very, and I was like, I need to be in a field where I get to be one with who I am Mm -hmm. and already coming into advertising has allowed that Mm. and now I'm focusing on writing more articles and all that sort of stuff so it's that continual journey of just being in tune with myself completely like writing I would say is a core to who I am Mm. Uh, you like to write I I love writing Uh, at one point in time I was really good at it and I if I have a regret it would be that I didn't write more because I always thought it would be a skill set I'd always have Mm. but like anything you don't use it you lose it Mm. so now it's getting back into that Uh, writing. I'd love to write a novel one day. I'm working on it, need to get it published. An actual novel. An actual novel. Fiction. Yeah, a fictional novel. No kidding. I've been working on it for the last god twelve years now. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Beautiful. I love it. Well I mean you certainly do have the 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 experience to to write that, right? You came from a creative background, you got into data and you're very internal aware and Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Always Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience in terms of your intention of inspiring them to live a more purposeful life?
0: I would say, you know, at the end of the day, in life, we all, and I'm still learning as I go, so I'm definitely not a foremost authority or anything to that nature, but I can only just speak from my experience, and from my experience, I'm the best at it. So from my experience, you know, life is tough and is hard, it always gets better I think it's about the mindset Mm. and uh, you know it's always just no matter what show up Mm. show up on the good days show up on the bad days even if it's difficult even if that means just getting out of bed Mm. but just show up and put your step and put one foot in front of the other to to live your best life
1: Mm. beautifully said thank you Anas thank Thank you you for being on the show thanks for having me one thing I forgot to do I'm going to do that right now I really acknowledge you for being vulnerable being open Um about your previous experiences because i know that this is atypical of normal interviews where most people just want the soundbite they want the tactics they want you know an answer whereas you actually were able to uh you went there right you you talked about some of your pain of growing up of some personal things with your sister with your mom and everything i really really appreciate that deeply That's that's not that's an extraordinary thing that that you did, yeah. right? In, in typical interviews, that you did. Right. So I acknowledge you going there. I acknowledge you for just being, being flow. Right. Just allowing to come instead of filtering things. Right. Um, and thank you for being here. I'm out of an infinite number of other things that you could be doing. You're here spending time with me. No, this is this good. Botanical garden. No, I'm
0: loving it. I, I'm loving the setting. I'm just loving all of it. I, I just like it. That it's different, and this is good. You know, I think it's it's all about the experience.
1: So, guys listen to what Nasa shared he basically shared with us his playbook of how he navigated his career path finding his dharma um, and cultivate this beautiful successful career that he's had and continue on making an impact with the world so try some of these tactics out and let us know the results of it I'm sure he and I both would really appreciate Absolutely. how this has impacted your life and your career and your life Alright, my friends, have a beer for us a bit. Take care. Hey listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the nuggets of wisdoms, go to bit.ly forward slash Noble Warrior Review and leave us a five-star review and tell us what you're getting out of this podcast. This will really help us attract other people like you and share these nuggets of wisdoms to others just like you. Okay, do that right now, bit.ly forward slash noble warrior review. Thanks a lot.